Here we are then. On that day, a great persecution breaks out against the church in Jerusalem. Everyone except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Finish this idea with me. Godly men bury Stephen and mourn deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Third time Saul has shown up in our storyline, and he is about to dominate the book of Acts. And so what we are doing right here is alongside the writer Luke, we're just getting a ground uh, level understanding of who this man is. But for second semester, it is going to be his story and his story alone, this character, Saul, going from house to house. Saul dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. I thought here about the godly men who bury and mourn for Stephen. You guys, I need you to appreciate the risk that they took in identifying themselves alongside Stephen. And so a serious moment for you and I, like, just for the moment, I think we take a lot of, um, of our religious freedom for granted I know that I do. Like, I, it never is a second thought to me to stand up here and to speak about Jesus. And what I see here in Paul is this idea of lumeno. It's the idea of searching for house to house and intentionally dragging those off that, that he finds to prison. And so my question is, for what? Like, if you're reading this scripture for yourself, I need you to learn how to ask questions of it. Because what we just saw in the text was that he dragged off people. And then we said this idea of destroy the church is a brutal, sadistic reality. And then the question is, what did they do? And so again, it's just a foundation to understand who this man Saul is. Because in the story that's about to come in Acts chapter 16, 22, and 26, Saul is going to look back on this moment of his testimony and he is going to own it completely. He is going to own this idea that he was killing the church. And yet this began to happen. Those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. The idea of persecution exploded the church. What we saw last week was that the apostles, whenever they did not take on the feeding of the widows, they actually converted the priests and the church exploded. This time, Saul is persecuting the, the believers within the city, and he drives out the people who have heard this message and this hope of Jesus, and they're scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And so instead of hiding or keeping silent, they began to preach the word. Here's the aha. It's gonna show up again by the end of my talk. But it's been the apostles up until this moment who have been doing the preaching. And the apostles are the only ones who stay in Jerusalem. And so what we're going to watch is the spread of the church across Judea and Samaria. And that was the call that Jesus gave to his disciples in Acts 1. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Okay, we've been doing that. And then Judea and then Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And that's the storyline. In fact, I found who I wanted to be in researching this sermon for Halloween next year. I didn't have time to pull off the wig. But there's this guy named Johann Bengel. And Johann Bengel um, is, is quoted by some of the, the rocks of the Christian faith. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, if you know the name. Uh, John Calvin, if you know the name. And here is the story from the commentary from the 1750s that Johann Bengel said. He said, the wind that happened has increased the flame of the gospel. 
He said, what happened whenever Satan, who persecutes the church, whenever Satan thought that he could persecute and snuff out, instead he just blew a wind and exploded church growth. And so it is Philip who we meet tonight, and he goes down to a city in Samaria to proclaim the Messiah there. When the crowds hear Philip and see the signs he performs, they all begin to pay close attention. Once again, it is hard for you and I to appreciate the boldness that Philip shows in going to Samaria because it doesn't mean anything to you and I. But what you need to know is there's a thousand-year turf war happening, kind of Hatfield and McCoy, but between the Jews of, of Israel and the remnant of the Jews in Samaria. What happened in 2 Kings is that the, the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel had an internal conflict. Both uh, had two kings that struggled for control of the 12 tribes. And so what happened was the split happened. 10 tribes went off and they became Samaria. The reason they became Samaria is because Assyria rolled in and dominated their city and exiled them, where the bottom two tribes, they called the, the southern tribes, they stayed true to Yahweh for a few more years. Here's the big deal. As Assyria uh, lost its power, the Jews that got exiled in Samaria, they came back and they built a rival temple to the temple in Jerusalem. And so not only did we have two neighboring lands that had the same ethnic heritage, but all of a sudden we now had two uh, theological systems that were at war with each other. But the northern tribes that came back, the the Samaritans in the country of Samaria, they had been repopulated by Assyria, and so they weren't a pure bloodline anymore. So we add theology, politics, and now race into the mix, and it has been going on for a thousand years. And this is the context that Philip goes to, preaching the Messiah. Here's what happens in 7 and 8. With shrieks, as he preaches the Messiah, impure spirits start to come out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, and so there was great joy in that city. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave, them, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the power of God. True confession, I did not plan for sorcery to show up on Halloween uh, this summer whenever I was tracking this, Uh, but I'm thrilled that it did because that is awesome. So Philip arrives in the city of Samaria, and Samaria has been under the influence of a sorcerer. And so we've seen this before, right? We've seen this before already in Acts. We saw all last year whenever Jesus would show up. Whenever a place had been under the power and the influence of of a particular, well, let's just call it evil for this one, and then what happens is the gospel shows up, the general response is this. You poor simple fools. Yes. I am a god, you dull creature, and I will not be bullied by that. Oh, boy, he's cracked. He's gone nuts. Jaffa! Jaffa! Get a grip! A snake, am I? Perhaps you'd like to see how snake-like I can be. I will find the ring. And kill the one who carries it. Brother. 
A new power is rising. Its victory is at hand. I'm going to kill you, Harry Potter. I'm going to destroy you. This is the typical response, right? Whenever we see the gospel move into a place that is under the power of another being, this is our typical response. Spoiler alert, it's not this time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon, the sorcerer, who you just saw likenesses of, I'm sure, believed and was baptized. The sorcerer was believing the message and the hope of Jesus and was baptized. He follows Phil everywhere, astonished by the great signs and wonders that he saw. Now, your work is to talk tonight and to have a quick conversation about that idea. Simon believing baptizing and following Philip everywhere. So the question for you guys is this, how do we think and feel about Simon's belief and baptism? Take a minute or so, I'll call you back. You know the sign, like that. Ready, go. Okay, all right. You heard the sign, you saw the, the whistle. Um, so how do we feel about the sorcerer's belief and baptism? As a room, how do we feel about this guy who hears, believes, and is baptized, and then follows Philip around, just blown away? Okay, good, right? Love it. Wonderful. How do we feel about it? Yeah. It's a question that I think is fair to ask. Does he just want the power because he has already lost his own, right? He wants to perform and gain his audience back. It's a good question. It's a fair question. Other thoughts? Yeah, deep corner. Love it. I think it's really good. Yeah. He, she said that there was, uh, there was a, uh, maybe an internal awareness that Simon the sorcerer knew that he was fooling the crowd, and the flip of that was Philip's power. It came from healing, and it wasn't about magic or sorcery. It was about signs and wonders. And did great things. Ironic that Philip was, had the same power and he's uh, given the same clarity that Stephen was given, uh, as we read last week. Stephen did the exact same stuff that Philip was doing and neither one of them were the apostles. Hmm, maybe? Thoughts? Beginning? Okay, so uh, thankfully, um, I was aware of the interweb this week and so the perfect uh, analogy came forward. There he is. <laughs> Oh, my man, thank you so much for this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I yeah. appreciate it so much. Hang on, I just gotta shuffle. Apologies. Sorry about that. Oh, am I taking the middle seat? Yes, you are. It's a little selfish. That's so funny. Selfish. <laughs> Are you a talker or a sleeper? Uh, I can do both. You let me know. I think I'm a. I'm we a can good chat sleep. the whole way there if you want. We can talk. Yeah. Yeah. Chat the whole way there. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I tell you what, I wouldn't mind. Do you want to listen to some music? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
was that? <laughs> How was that? <laughs> Super good, right? Wait a minute. Here's our question. Here's our question. The question is the exact same, right? How do we feel about all of a sudden this big prognosis? And here's the, the, the next verses. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. Interesting. So just like one, one sentence there. When the apostles, the ones that didn't flee, heard that Samaria, theological, political, racial rivals, had accepted the word of God, they sent delegates. They sent the heavy hitters. They sent the preachers in to Samaria. And when those men arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They simply had been baptized into the name of Jesus. Guys, what I need you to know is that what Luke is doing here is he is signaling the next stage in the advance of the gospel. Luke is signaling the advance of the next stage of the gospel. We started in Acts chapter 1. And we said, Jesus looked at his disciples, the apostles, and he said, stay here until the gift that I've promised you will come. That was Acts 2. Had some help teaching that. We did great. And all of a sudden, explosion came out. And now what we have is the gospel leaving Jerusalem, and it is now advancing into enemy territory. Political, racial, theological spaces that it has never been before except for one time. Can anybody think about Samaria and the one time that the gospel has advanced here? I'll give you a, a, uh, <laughs> a hint. He walks, according to my friend Kanye, Jesus went to Samaria and he looked at this woman and he told her everything about her life. And she then walked, ran back to the city and she said, I have found the Messiah. There's only one time that the gospel has advanced into Samaria and it is in the person of Jesus. Here's the spoiler alert. In a couple weeks, Grant's gonna help teach Acts 10 and 11. And we're going to see now the gospel advance again. And it's going to be this exact same model where there's going to be belief and then the laying on of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to happen again. The hands-on Holy Spirit will come again. And so then verse 18 shows up and says, Sorry I had to smash it small, but I didn't want to cut these off so you could see the whole story. Simon saw that the Spirit was... Oh, we're back to that sorcerer again. Silly little Simon. Here we go. Simon saw and said, the spirit, no, that's too many S's, was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands. And so the sorcerer pulls out his cash, message version. And this is what he does. Give me this ability, give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter answers, may your money perish with you. You thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of the wickedness 
Pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. I see you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And here's Simon's response. Don't miss it. He says, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. How do we feel about Kanye now? I mean, Simon. How do we feel about Simon? Or maybe that's the storyline here. Because I cannot lie, like that's my heart, if I'm honest, many times a week. And the idea that I have thought or earning or, or working for God's spirit in my life is one of sin. That is a sin that I participate in weekly. And here's my thing, guys. I am no different than anyone else who is a believer in Christ. Because when I, my hope is in Christ, when I hear the message of his story and what the work of the cross is, I join that family when I repent. And then my sin is washed away and I begin this process of sanctification. This process of bringing sin up out of me, exposing it to light and repenting again. And repenting it again. I love that Simon now has to handle this. And so here's your question one more time. How do we care for those who are immature in their faith and their belief? Take a couple seconds, talk about it amongst yourselves, and I'll talk to you in a sec. <laughs> Short and sweet tonight, sorry. Short and sweet tonight. I gotta get you off the trick-or-treating. Here we go. <laughs> okay, you guys hear the heartbeat behind this, right? You guys hear the heartbeat behind this? immediately Simon the sorcerer went back to his normal pattern. Think about this one more time. Simon the sorcerer, as soon as he saw something new, he reverted immediately to his sinful patterns. And I know that's not you guys. Whenever you're met with tension, stress, or lust, you return to the pattern that you're most ingrained with. And so Simon, I don't even know his heart, but in this place, I know that you guys can look at this storyline and say, Simon heard about the word of God and the story with Philip. And then within a matter of days, maybe weeks, but probably days, Peter and John were here and he learned something new. Guys, this is a brand new believer. How in the world can I hold him up to a, a standard that he has not yet learned, practiced, and repented from a lot of times? Here it is. How do we treat immature believers? The answer is incredible intentionality. Know your intentional community. We love them. That means we pursue relationship and we speak in because we're trying to grow spiritual influence. Everybody got that? That is the storyline that we're finding here. A couple thoughts to close me down. Oh, yeah. Oof, good. Here's my closing thoughts then. Um, the problem, air quotes, the problem of the Samaritans has lasted for centuries and what we see here in the story with Simon the sorcerer is that the Samaritans are hearing and responding to the hope of Jesus. The closing idea for me, and then I'll pass the mic, is this. 
that there is one body, you're going to hear this guy named Paul start to hammer this thread. If you were with us last year, we taught through 1 Corinthians, and we heard this guy named, this, this guy named Paul say, there is one body, one family, one baptism, one Christ, one Lord, and we are all under the head of Jesus. And what we see right here is that people are willing to move into political, theological, racial tensions in order to call out unity. And Peter responds harshly because sin requires a response. But here's what I hope that Peter also knows that this is a brand new, immature believer, and I love Simon's response. Pray for me. It's a pretty good response. So we'll move on to one more chapter. But this time it is not in Samaria. It is to the ends of the earth. Please welcome Wolf Allen. Yeah, just flip the whole... Hey, everyone. All right. So we can go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, verse 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, I'm going to pause here. So what is a eunuch? So that basically means his, he's been castrated, which he can hit those high notes now if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> So Philip went to the south and met this Ethiopian, right? So this Ethiopian, he was pretty rich. In verse 27, it mentions that he was the sole treasure of the queen of Ethiopia. So, and this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in this chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So in this, I'm picturing this, like, four-horse-drawn chariot. There's, like, maroon drapes on the side. He, he's living the life. I mean... He's got to have this massive carriage. He's not only carrying himself, he's carrying the entire book of Isaiah. At this time, the scroll would have been about 29 feet long. So, continuing back in, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So, in verse 26, the angel told Philip, he's telling Philip to go to this place in the south, this desert road. No one else is traveling on this road. And before Philip even knows what he's been called to do there, he's been called there. So, Philip was told to go to the place before he was given the purpose for being there. And we see this several times throughout the Bible, specifically in Genesis 2.8, when God puts Adam in the Garden of Eden. And then later on in verse 15, yes, in verse 15, that's when he tells him to tend to the garden. There's the place before the purpose. And then we see this again in Genesis 12 with Abraham, when God sends him to the land that he will show him. And when he gets to that land, that's when God tells Abraham that the land he sent him to would be the future home of his descendants. Once again, place before purpose. But of all the people to go to the Ethiopian, why Philip? So in Acts 6-5, as Josh shared last week, it shows that our man P-Money, he was one of the seven, full of spirit and wisdom. And as you'll see later in Acts 21-8, Philip is called Philip the Evangelist. He also had four unmarried daughters who prophesied as well, just to mention that. Um, so Philip is told to go to the south. He's given this place. And in verse 27, Philip meets the eunuch. He meets the purpose person where his purpose is set in place for. So in verse 29, Philip is told by the Holy Spirit to stay near the chariot. His purpose is set in motion here. 
And in verse 30, we see Philip run to the chariot, ask the eunuch if he understands what he's reading. Verse 31, the eunuch replies, how can I, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? In verse 35, we see Philip begin to explain the passage in Isaiah to the Ethiopian. And here's Philip's purpose. He was sent to the road to guide this Ethiopian through the scripture and eventually to tell him about Christ. So Philip went where the eunuch was and met him where he was at and was able to help him get further in his faith, eventually telling him about Christ. And eventually we see Imani asked to be baptized when they come upon water in verse 36. So we've talked about Philip. So why me? Why am I up here talking to him? Well, this summer I worked at a camp called Spring Hill. And a year ago, around this time, I was offered a job there. It was not the one I wanted. I wanted high schoolers. They gave me middle schoolers. But I accepted it anyway because I felt, okay, this is where I'm called to go. But even upon arrival on the camp, I didn't know, like, why I was there. Like, what is my purpose? God was giving me that place before he had set the purpose in for me. And after a week of training, he had given me that purpose, which my purpose was to meet the campers where they were, minister to them, and mentor them through the week that I had them. And God put me in that place because I was able to see so many lives change throughout that week. Or it was, I'm really glad that he put me in that place because I was able to see so many lives change throughout that week, just like Philip saw the eunuch change the, in just the day they met. And it was the best summer that I've ever had. So going back to Acts, in verse 38, Philip baptizes a eunuch, and in verse 39 is immediately snatched away from that place, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Okay, hold up. So the spirit snatched pea money out of the water. So we're going to head into some questions here. So would this shock pea money or e-money more? Would the snatch and grab help or hurt your faith if you were in this situation, and was the Ethiopian ready or not ready to be left alone? Why or why not? And I'm going to hand it off to you guys to discuss that. <laughs> All right. Bring it back in. Bring it back in. All right. So, so I just want to kind of see a show of hands. Would this shock Philip or the eunuch more? Like one for Philip, two for eunuch. Okay, I see a few hands throughout the room. It's cool. It's pretty mixed. It's cool. All right. And so next question, would this snatch and grab help or hurt your faith? All right. <laughs> so so part, some of the things from this, um, this was part of me being a camp counselor, actually. So I poured my heart into the campers each week and showed them the heart of Christ and only for a week long. And it was really hard to say goodbye to some of those campers, very difficult, and I honestly hated to see them go. But that's the purpose of ministries, where you're building up and sending out. You don't get to keep those that you build up. However, there were some weeks I was glad to see them go. There were some demon campers on occasion. <laughs> yeah, made my life difficult. <laughs> okay, but, but anyway, so in this chapter, Philip built up the eunuch. And in a way, sent him out through his baptism. And some believe that this is how Christianity originated in Ethiopia. That's the ultimate sending out here. He brought someone to know Christ. He brought someone to know Christ. And then the eunuch introduced Christianity to a country that had never heard the hope of Jesus before. CSF is the same way. The staff and leadership, student leadership, they build us up so we could be sent out onto campus and bring the same hope to it. And even after college, into our lives, when... 
so that we might see those with the Spirit that just need a guide to come along where they are, just, just like Philip saw the eunuch and met him where he was and was a guide for him. And that's the ultimate goal of this ministry and of camp ministry as well and the Holy Spirit, to build up and send out. It's exactly what happened to Philip, and that's how the Spirit continues to work in us today.